Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradium. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Hi, this is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builders Spotlight. And do I have a special treat today? Joining me is Kristen Angeron. I had to stop because I've known her so long. I know her from her maiden name and she's been married so long and I keep messing that up. But you are going to love hearing her story. Kristen and I's lives have kind of weaved in and out with each other um, just on God. So we'll probably end up telling some God stories just on things that have happened as we've um, experienced life together. Um, But Kristen has been in and out of the financial services business. She's now doing some tax consulting and just an incredibly passionate person, a person who pours herself into everything she does and the people that she's serving. And so I am excited to just be able to visit with her today, to let her tell you her story. And we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for asking me. Uh, I'm, I'm very flattered at that introduction. I, I, I've, I've never been more complimented in my entire life. So it makes me feel so great this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Kristen, uh, you and I know each other, but my audience doesn't know you. So let's start with just a 30,000 foot view of you, your life, and as much of your story as you kind of want to go ahead and capture. I'm going to just kind of give you the space and then we'll, we'll go from there and kind of see what happens. Um, so in the spirit of the redefining success podcast, um, without me actually knowing that, um, that started for me when I was in college. So, Mm. um, my husband and I actually joke about this all the time. Um, yes, we took longer to get out of college than most people. Um, (laughs) most people wind up with two degrees. Uh, we wound up with one. (laughs) So, um, but through that experience, um, I was able to get in on the ground floor into the financial services industry and help start a, you know, our our own broker dealer, help grow an office from 20 million in assets to three offices to 250 million Mm. by the time I was 27 years old. So, um, and again, it was working 80, 90 hours a week, going to school part-time and doing all that at the same time. Um, so again, it definitely was not the traditional model by which I came out of college and got into my professional career. Mm. Um, and so, uh, then I went to work for a fortune 100 company, which is how you and I met, um, doing estate and tax planning with financial advisors and CPAs and tax attorneys and thoroughly enjoyed my work, but figured out very quickly, um, that I could make more money and have a bigger impact if I started my own firm. So Mm -hmm. in 2010, um, 
as you know, yeah. uh, because of because of a client we worked together on, that client uh, case provided the capital for me to leave the, the safe corporate job and start Legacy Consultants back in 2010. And it was a rough ride. I mean, it, and I started it with the end in mind. I started it with, uh, again, before we had COVID, before I was married, before I was a mom, before I could really appreciate all those things. But I started Legacy Consultants with the thought process of that, I wanted to do personal CFO work was how it initially started. Um, And so it was being that um, it go between in between between financial advisors, CPAs and in attorneys for clients and basically translate that language. And how does all of that? How does that all how does that impact that client who doesn't speak? tackling tax language, doesn't speak financial language, and be able to say, this is how it will impact you financially and speak in normal terms that 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 client would understand. Um, And it was, and it was a challenge for the first four years. It was, um, I mean, as with any businesses, it was putting your own blood, sweat, and tears into it. And, you know, um, and as you said, yes, I pour myself into all of my clients, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, and, and because I trusted so readily easily, and then learned the lesson in business very early on, um, and got stiffed on substantial client bills. Um, and so, but again, it was a lesson I was able to take forward. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, but legacy survived and I started getting clients little by little word of mouth. And, um, and it has taken off. And so, um, I had a client that actually hired, uh, hired me in like 2013, um, to go in-house. Um, he had paid for a substantial racetrack cash, no mortgage on the property. Um, and he didn't understand why he was bleeding money. He was still putting in seven figures into the company every year. And so pretty much went into the company and after three days, I called him and said, you need to prefer, you need to put a for sales on in the front yard. And he's like, Nope. He was like, I need to have you in-house on the team. I need you to run this. Um, so I knew nothing about a racetrack. I knew nothing about racing or automotive, but in my world, a widget is a widget. doesn't matter if you're selling tax services, if you're selling financial advice, if you're actually manufacturing a product Mm. or you're providing an experience at the economics and the fundamentals are still the same. Yeah. So um, I learned more in those two years, probably than I have in all of my uh, combined 20 going on 25 plus years experience. Um, and it was an adventure. And I'm very grateful I had that experience um, because it did teach me and prepare me a lot um, for, you know, the clients that we deal with nowadays. And so, and I, and again, at the same time I was running the racetrack, I still had legacy consultants on the side. I didn't do it full-time because I was full-time turning around an organization that was cash flow negative and um, was losing money, uh, was not profitable. And so, um, so I accomplished my goal and I am proud to say that I got fired uh, for accomplishing the goal. Most people are embarrassed about getting fired. Mm. Uh, it took me a while to actually embrace that because had I not been fired, I would not be where I was today. And I'm firmly believe that that was God's plan all along, like wow. to, uh, to do that. And so, 
And legacy consultants, I mean, we have become, as you, as the term you like to use, which I adore, um, we're an industry disruptor. I have clients, we don't make our money preparing tax returns for clients. We do that as a service for existing clients that just want to keep everything in house. But we, three years ago, we changed this model to be that disruptor, to not be the traditional tax planning accounting firm that all we're here to do is follow clients taxes. So I spent a lot of money on training, on coaching for myself, for my staff, um, and, you know, developing those systems in house to say, how can we, how can we provide more value for our clients where it makes a difference? And that did not become more clear that when, than when COVID hit. And when, Mm. fortunately, when COVID hit, when most businesses had a loss, that was our biggest year. Mm. We had clients being referred to us left and right. We were helping them with PPP money. We were helping them get EIDL money. And it was, it it was like our accountants have our CPAs have. And again, those firms were overwhelmed as well. Um, We were just uniquely positioned for it because I already had staff that we like two of our staff members do not reside in Louisiana where our office is. They Mm. reside elsewhere. We'd been using Zoom. For us, we'd set up our firm remotely. So again, like I said, I set up legacy consultants with the end in mind with it being that I wanted to be able to provide more value for clients Mm. by working with fewer clients. We don't need to do you know, 1,200 returns or 600 returns to be profitable. We meet with our clients on a quarterly basis. Sometimes we're meeting with them on a monthly basis, depending upon what service they engage us in. But it has been transforming because the biggest thing is that I've created a successful practice by providing value for our customers, Mm. for our clients that saves them money. And when I say providing value, we can literally articulate how much they are able to keep in their keep in their pockets every year due to how we're showing them how to run their business, how to do tax planning and implement that in their business. So we're helping them grow not their not just their gross profit margin, their net profit margin, and in turn growing their net worth. Hmm. And we provided jobs, you know, for our staff. My operations manager that I hired in July. When I interviewed her, I told her, I said, I want you to be able to be a mom. I want you to be able to pick up your kids from school. I want you to be able to, when kids are sick, that's fine. I don't care when you do your job. If you got to do it at midnight because you were at home all day, that's fine. As long as it gets accomplished, because that's what I designed legacy consultants to do was Mm. again, to provide that value to to clients, but at the same time, be able to have a quality of life because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If we go acquire firms or how many millions of dollars we've saved our clients over the last several years, what matters at the end of the day is that were we able to be good spouses? Were we able to be good parents? Were we able to be good stewards? Yeah. Um, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> I have the I have the privilege of having a little bit deeper insight to kind of some of the things that have happened along your journey. Um you know, coming out of school, how old were you when your father died? 17, senior 17. year. So, I mean, everyone's getting ready to graduate. Everyone's thinking that, hey, kind of this is the trajectory of what success is supposed to look like. I'm going to pull some things out. We're going to we're going to take a little bit of venture back in time. But 
What really changed for you there and what has shaped you today on your view of success of that experience that like other kids didn't get at that point, right? They're getting ready to go to college and things like that. And you have this complete disruption happen inside of your life at 17 years old. Talk a little bit about how that impacted even how you look at the world today. So to compound that, two weeks after my dad passed away, um, my parents were divorced, but got along. They were best friends. <laughs> so I was fortunate in that regard. But two weeks after my father passed away, um, my stepsister, who was the same age as I, passed away, um, which was my stepfather's only child as well. So within the span of 13 days, it was not just life, al- it's life altering to lose a parent. It's life shattering to lose a sibling on top of that. Yeah. And so for me, I, I went from, I mean, I was always driven. No, my parents never, I mean, from a young age, never had to tell me to do homework. I was always very motivated, um, very disciplined, um, great at time management, again, at an early age. Um, and, and, but what shook me to the core was that you're not promised tomorrow. Mm. So it was, and so now again, that was to my detriment because I definitely had fun my first two or three years in college. I, I definitely went to the far end of the spectrum, um, you know, party and I, you know, got to college and I was like, Ooh, class is optional. Like, you know, go from (laughs) basically being a, you know, straight a student, 3.5 GPA student to, you know, barely skating by your first semester, um, at LSU. So, um, you know, so for me, it was that you're not promised tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. And, and again, I learned that lesson at 17 and it's something actually my husband and I, you know, I've told him several times. I was like, I said, you don't have any, you know, you, you need to look at things in a different way because, Mm. you know, because we're not promised tomorrow. And so it's, you have to live life to its fullest. And that was the lesson. And that was the way my dad lived his life was, and again, sometimes to his detriment, he did live life to his fullest. And it was, he never missed an opportunity to say, I love you. Or, you know, if he was coming through town, cause he had a sales call, he would stop and check me out of school. And, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd lie and tell the checkout, the attendance lady, I had a doctor's appointment, but he'd take me to go have lunch, you know? And so, but it was always, you know, you know, he, he, he tried to always put his family first and he tried to live life to the fullest. So for me, Mm. again, not becoming a mom until I was 40, I took that lesson and I drain, I, I, I drain that into my son, into my family and that's why I'm always so very passionate about like, yeah, I may have this client that's got a deadline, but if my son's got a soccer game or if he's got soccer practice, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to leave the office at this time so I can go pick him up and I can bring him to soccer practice and be there and make sure that he knows that he is the first priority in my life. Mm, mm, that's beautiful. Um, and by the way, I, yeah. I, I can't believe you're bringing up my dad, but, um, and as as irony or God would have it is that today would have been my dad's 78th birthday. Is that right? Yes. Wow. God <laughs> knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. Um, another thing that I know about you, because I know that this has shaped you deeply as well. I mean, a lot of people look at the world um, and there are pockets that look like super successful. So it's like, because that area looks successful, I should go do business there. Like, this is a place that I should go and build business. And um, you had kind of an experience with the NFL 
and some opportunities inside of that space. And I think a lot of people kind of think, look up to think about athletes and think about, Hey, if I could get it, if I could ever get into that, that would be kind of this, this perfect world. And I think that one of the things in walking alongside you and seeing some of that, um, there were some times to me that even looked on things that I saw, you know, like what we would say is successful. Like there's another side to that coin. There's another side that people definitely don't see. So when people think about success, talk a little bit about what you saw. It's not like you don't have to reveal complete dirty secrets, but I think it's this idea that just because something looks from the outside shiny and successful doesn't mean that it is. And what did you learn kind of in your experience with the NFL kind of from that viewpoint? Well, and, and again, it was an experience. And again, at the time, I, I thought there were some opportunities that just happened to fall in my lap. Um, you know, a, a big thanks to um, yeah, some of my my sister um, who pushed me to go do this. And, um, and, and so a lot of that was misplaced trust. Um, again, not, not in her. I don't want to misstate that. Um, but misplaced trust in, like I said, um, you know, wanting to pour myself into a client and to mm. do what's right for them. And, and they are very successful and NFL players or any professional athlete, NFL, baseball, you know, basketball, soccer, tennis, golf, they're professional athletes, but they're a business. So, mm. I mean, they have, you know, they have agents and CPAs and, you know, and they're agent and business managers. And there are more, unfortunately, you know, and I'm, I'm beating a dead drum here. When you hear about NFL players, most of them go broke within five years of them playing. There's a reason for that. And it's because there's a lack of financial literacy, but in all fairness to every single professional athlete that they try to lump that, that I guess the press, the world, the yeah. average um, viewer thinks is that they're uneducated most Americans are uneducated about how their finances work. Yeah. Most Americans cannot explain how their paycheck works. What's FICA? <laughs> What's Medicaid? Right. Like, how do I wind up with this net amount of check? Why is that important? Yeah. Most Americans, and I guarantee you, 99% of politicians can't explain it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, it was definitely a learning experience. <clears throat> But at the same time, and I know I keep saying all these awful things that happen, we're learning experiences, but that's the only way to look at them because, yeah. because that, because if you didn't make mistakes, you would never learn and you would never gain knowledge. And so, and so for me, and so, yeah, it was this shiny, oh, it's the NFL and, oh, I'm only going to have, you know, a handful of clients. We're going to make all this money and we're going to help them, you know, we're going to protect them. And, you know, that wasn't the case, but I can translate what the, this, the, the shiny syndrome, I, I guess we can name it that I can yep. translate that to, from the NFL to just everyday life, because I see it with, mm. I see it with friends. I see it with clients is that you think that, oh, there's this person over here. They're posting on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, pick the social, you know, the social media narrative and it's, oh, they're on this trip and, you know, their kids are going to the best schools and, and whatnot. And what most people don't know is that they might not be financially stable. Mm. Um, everybody assumes that they are because of the house that they live in or the cars that they drive or where their kids go to school or the vacations that they go on. And people assume that that is quote unquote success. Mm. Um, and what 
most people don't want to look at a success. People talk about, oh, what books have you read? You know, what, you know, how, how have you expanded? How have you increased your revenues? Not one business coach, and I've had several, not one business coach, except for one, I will say that, has ever talked to me about what a success as a whole look like. Mm. What is that balance between, everybody talks about work-life balance, work-life balance, work-life balance, right? But how many people are willing to say, you know what? Yes, I want to grow my business, but I don't want to grow it to the detriment of my family. Mm. How many people Mm. are willing to say that? And most people, and again, I think it's easier for a woman entrepreneur to say that because biologically we are programmed to be nurturers and, you know, and, and want to take care of um, people that we love. Um, I think it's harder um, for male entrepreneurs because I think men are biologically programmed to be providers. So you want to yeah. grow, you want to, again, I think that's how we're, I think that's how we're wired. I'm not saying that, that either can't do that. But I think the definition of success, I think if more people would start talking about, you know, and I could give you story after story of extremely wealthy people I know and their family lives are horrendous. Yep. Absolutely horrendous. And I wouldn't want to trade places with them ever. But again, I'm going to be 48 next month. At 48, after 25 years experience, I can say that. Yep. 30-year-old Kristen? Nope. (laughs) What would been like, ah, whatever, you know, but 30 year old Kristen was single and didn't appreciate, you know, being a spouse and being a mother and a daughter and a friend and an aunt. And, um, and so I think there is a lot to be said with older, with, with age does definitely comes wisdom yeah. and I'm still learning every day. I learn something new from every person I interact with. Um, and I, tr- and I try very much to take that in and I sometimes don't. But I think if I think if younger people would take a look at what does success look like, and it can't just be, oh, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You have to put the hard work in in order to get to that point. But I think success as a whole has to has to be that work life balance, because if it's all one and not the other, it, you're never going to be in my, under my definition of successful in my in, in my world, that's not being, that's not successful by the world's definition. You might be successful, but again, yeah, at the but end of the- I, I think what you're onto, which is true. And it's, it's happened guest after guest has, has echoed this, um, is, you know, it success at what cost, because if right. you don't have balance, you're sacrificing something could be your health, yep. could be your relationship with God, could be your spouse and your kids. Um, and the one thing that goes away definitely faster than anything um, is the money in one sense, because if you don't have the relationships and everything else, we've, we've seen the generational failures and everything else that right. one of the things I like to say is money just magnifies and reveals all the problems you've been ignoring. So yeah. when you wish for more money, make sure you're dealing with all the issues. Yeah. I mean, because it, and it doesn't matter if it's 5,000, if it's $500 or if it's 50 million, yeah. it's just different zeros but it's, it can create the same problem. So if you don't, so like I said, if you don't have that, you know, and there are tons of people that are successful that, and again, I think one of the big challenges for entrepreneurs, no matter what the industry is that as entrepreneurs get older, they are trying to seek out that work-life balance. And maybe they didn't 
you know, maybe they didn't come from a Christian home. Maybe they came, you know, they didn't have that stable family and they're trying to figure that out for themselves. They're trying to figure out what does this family foundation for my family look like? And so if you haven't been taught that it's, then you're trying to learn that on top of trying to grow a business. And so to those entrepreneurs out there, I salute you because it's, like I said, it's, I consider myself blessed to have a mother and a father, even though that they were divorced, that loved me unconditionally, but gave me a solid foundation for that. I will ever be grateful. And, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I, that's, that's the only thing I can chalk my. I, I love though the to. direction that you've taken this, because one of the things, um, you know, I, I like to think of like men, you were, as you were talking about what I like to say, men entrepreneurs are more, cre- more they're more thinking about creation and sometimes creation at all costs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yep. versus where women entrepreneurs and women business owners do think more about what is the cost? What is the end game? What is the, and it's one of those things that <clears throat> I've seen a lot. We seem to spend way too much time admiring the creator men entrepreneurs and the problem that we don't recognize. This is a success definition that I see in the U S that's wrong is there's a lot of frustration and a lot of people who get used and abused in the process of creation if there's not a balance That's of right. nurturing that goes with that. Yes. And look, and I'm I'm guilty. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you, if you ask some of my former staff members, you know, from the, you know, when I was running the racetrack, um, you know, and now granted that that was took over the racetrack as president and the first ever Indy race in Louisiana and got engaged and got married and got pregnant all within and moved to a new city all within 12 months. So, you know, so when I, when I go for change, I go all in. So, uh, um, but, and, and there were times where my leadership skills were terrible. I look back on that time and there, I look at, you know, now, granted, I was pregnant and I was crying in a department head meeting. And I literally said to them, do not pay attention to the tears, pay attention to the words, <laughs> the tears are hormones. Um, you know, and it's, and I, I definitely was not the best leader I could be. And it's one of those things that I struggle with because my passion mm. it is good. Like I said, it can be a curse and a blessing. And so, um, but yeah, and, and I, I very much, so I try to be very cognizant about our staff nowadays. And so, you know, so like I said, the example I gave earlier, when I heard, I hired our operations manager and she sat in my home office and I told her, I was like, I want you to be a mom, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. so yeah. So I hope the staff thinks I'm a good <laughs> boss now. I, I, I think they do. Um, you know, like I said, but, um, it's just, it's been an amazing, it's been an amazing adventure, but, and I'm, I'm very proud that we don't have a user mentality here. It's everybody's, everybody's got one purpose and that's to make sure that our clients have the best service and get the best value that they can for the money that they're paying us. Um, and if they feel like they have a problem, then, okay, let's tackle it as a team. And if there's an issue, if somebody's dropped the ball, okay, let's own it. Whoever dropped the ball, great. We're not going to beat you like a redheaded stepchild. You know, let's fix the problem. Let's get it corrected. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. How do we, and then there's a lot of creation that comes out of that. How do we develop a system that makes sure that this mistake doesn't happen again? So it then creates an opportunity to say, okay, we screwed up. Let's fix the mistake. Yeah. How do we make sure that this particular mistake doesn't happen with other clients or this client ever again? That's good. 
That's good. You've alluded to this a couple of times. I'm not going to leave without us telling the story, which is, you know, most people would say if you're not married by 25 and started a family, then you've missed success in this life. <laughs> um, you had a completely different path. You've lived a different side of this adventure. So talk a little bit about how you and Brian got reconnected. Um, talk a little bit, tell a little bit of the story of and I imagine there were times where you were questioning, even like, is this going to happen for me? And so one of the things that I love about this idea of redefining success is that we never know who's listening. So if there's somebody out there who's listening, a woman who's an entrepreneur, who's passionate about what she's doing, who's in a place where you were not married yet, passionate about success, passionate about the future, tell your story and kind of what happened and how God has just totally redeemed. And it's a beautiful, beautiful situation today. So, um, so this was 2012, um, and I'd gone through a very bad breakup. Um, and, and, and again, yes, I did not get married at 25. And let me just say first for your listeners, I am of the firm belief if that if you are an entrepreneur, it like, if you are all in your business at 25, do not get married, figure out who you are first. And again, I, mm. I know lots of people that got married early. You and Angel, you yep. know, have a very yep. successful marriage. It hasn't been without your share of trials. Y'all have raised yep. three amazing children. Um, and, you know, so everybody has their different path. I did not choose this path. I, I let me rephrase that. I chose it unwittingly, right? Mm. And so I didn't set out and say, I'm not going to get married until I'm 39 years old. That was no. Um, I am from South Louisiana. I am, you know, the stereotypical, you're supposed to get, you're supposed to go from your parents' house to the sorority house to your husband's house. Right. That did not happen to, that did not happen for me. Um, and so, um, yeah, so in 2012, I'd gone through, again, I'd started Legacy in 2010, um, again, going through trying to build my business, uh, going through a bad breakup. And, and I, there, there came a point where I just said, I am making bad decisions. I am, I am the only common denominator. And this started when I was, um, actually started a couple of years earlier when I was 35, I said, I am not making good choices. Um, and I chose to say, okay, I'm going to spend a year working on me in therapy. So I drove every day, every Thursday, I would leave New Orleans at 730 in the morning. I drive to Baton Rouge. I'd see my counselor from nine to 10. And then I drive back and do my job at my corporate gig. And it was, and I paid for that out of pocket. So, um, so for everybody that says I can't afford to do this, or I don't have the time to do it, yep. something had to give. Yep. And it was the best investment that I ever made in myself. And it taught me boundaries with not just, you know, men that I wanted to date. It taught me boundaries with my mother, like mm. with my family, with my yeah. friends. And it made me a better daughter. It made me a better friend. Um, so, um, and so, and then, like I said, when, I, when I started legacy and then, you know, I was working out of my house, I didn't have office space. And so, and I got back to reading my Bible and I would read Proverbs 31 every morning with my mm -hmm. cup of tea, with my dog out on the back porch about, you know, being that Proverbs 31 wife and my prayer every morning as I sat on my back porch and drank my cup of tea and mm -hmm. loved my little dog and, um, you know, was, was Lord. And I still pray it to this day. I said, Lord, help me be the best employer, employee, wife, mother, daughter, friend that you can make me to be. Mm. Even though I was not a wife then, and I was not a mother, and I was not an employer, 
and I felt like an employee for legacy, you know, um, I, you know, I prayed it like I was already mm. there, like I already had it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, a friend of mine who uh, works in the athletic department at LSU was having lunch with him one day and asked me if I wanted, um, uh, field passes for the LSU game, which was a uh, season opener, which was against North Texas in, uh, 20, hang on, let me think in 20, yeah, 2012, sorry. Um, season opener. And I said, well, sure. I've never been on the field for a season opener. So my best friend, Janine and I are down on the field for whatever reason, we ended up being able to stay on the field. Like the team's coming through the tunnel, kickoffs getting ready to happen. Um, and we're walking off the field and my friend Janine says, somebody's yelling your name. I said, nobody's yelling Kristen Ponche. Like I get 96,000 screaming fans in Tiger Stadium. Nobody's yelling my name. Sure enough, I look up. It's my now husband, Brian Angeron, who I had known since college. Um, we'd actually gone out on a date in college. We'd actually gone out on a date when we were both evacuated uh, to Baton Rouge. Uh, shortly after Hurricane Katrina, um, and I blew him off both times because he was the nice guy. Um, and um, at, that night, I got home from from the from the game, and there I had a private message on Facebook saying, "Hey, are you going to be out there tailgate the rest of the season?" And um, and again, my, again, every morning that I had prayed that mm-hmm. you know, every morning that I had read Proverbs thirty one, um, I literally um, just said, "God, I'm." obviously incapable of making these uh, an appropriate decision. So if this is, if this is your plan for me, I accept it. And I chose at that point in time to be happy in my life with what I had with my circumstances, where I was at. Mm. And the moment I truly like inside my heart, and you know, that moment, if you're listening, you've had that moment sometime in your life where you have complete peace about a decision that you have made yeah. and complete, not just peace, but contentment. Like you find joy in everything because you're not anxious. You're not worried about this huge piece of your life that's supposed to be in place. And it's not Mm. right moment. I just accepted it and just said, whatever, for lack of a better phrase, was the moment Brian showed up and Mm. we exchanged some messages and I invited him to our tailgate. And again, still not thinking he was remotely interested in me. And uh, he showed up to our tailgate um, and uh, he showed up to our tailgate as I was bending over into the cooler to retrieve a beverage. Um, so me and my best friend were, were dancing and being silly. And he walked up literally right behind us when that was happening, when I thought he was not coming. And he was like, well, I guess I picked the best time to come to the tailgate. So... <laughs> Three months later, uh, we were in a fully committed relationship and that was August of 12 and August of 13, we were married. Mm. So, and two months, I mean, excuse me, two weeks after we got married, we found out we were pregnant with our son, Evan, which at 39 years old was my doctor said, this does not happen for women of your age. And I said, I'm, I'm aware my sister went through rounds of infertility. A lot of my friends have. And so we just again, we were just, I guess, stupid and in love and just assumed it would all work out. I never yeah. once remotely thought, I, ju- I just figured, oh yeah, it'll happen, but, but never obsessed about it. And so for the women and the men out there who are um, thinking I've missed my, I've missed my time, you haven't. I'm, I promise you, you haven't. Your time may look different, 
It may not look the way you want it to look, but I promise you, if it can work out for me, it can work out for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the, the, the idea of the prayer though, right? Of speaking into, alongside God's word, speaking into what you want for your life. And that's the beautiful part about Psalms and the Proverbs. And for those of you who are not completely familiar with scripture, but you know, in the Psalms and the Proverbs, there are a lot of opportunities. I would encourage you read those books because there are opportunities in there to find pieces like Proverbs 31, which is about a righteous woman um, and spouse and, and business owner. I mean, it talks about everything that this woman does and she is Christian. And that's the thing. And, and that's the thing that I love about that scripture is that for a lot of, uh, for a lot of unbelievers, they assume that the Christian faith teaches, you know, when women are supposed to be subservient and aren't supposed to be uh, entrepreneurs, right? Well, it does teach us to be subservient to our husbands, but it also instructs our husbands to treat their brides like Christ, yep. like Christ treated the church. Yep. So it's a reciprocal relationship, but it specifically is. in that scripture, it talks about she, you know, she like plants a field and yep. sells and, and sells you know, and sells the, the harvest to benefit her family. It talks about, she is to bring honor to her husband. Mm. It, it talks if you, and if you read it and study it as I feel like, as long as I did, it speaks to, it, it spoke to me. It spoke to being an entrepreneur and that it spoke to, you can be a wife and a mother. Mm. In fact, scripture calls you to be a wife and a mother and to be an entrepreneur, which most people have no idea. And again, yeah. it's one of those things that I'm always amazed because I'm, I have not read the Bible cover to cover. I'm always learning something new in scripture. Yeah. And so, um, and so, but that, that particular scripture will always to the mm -hmm. day that I die, be the one that was life-changing for me, because in the moment where I felt like that was never going to happen for me, it gave me peace. And I just started praying like, well, whatever, whatever being a wife, mom, employer, employee looks like, that's what I want. And mm. I could, and I thought I knew what that looked like, but I would never have envisioned what, how my life turned out now mm. is nothing short than straight up a miracle from God. Yeah. Well, I'll encourage everyone, especially those who are like, ah, God doesn't speak today. God speaks every day, especially inside of his word. And the thing that I would also encourage you, Kristen, I'd encourage anybody who's listening that doesn't realize this is you'd be amazed how much, how relevant a lot of what is all through the Bible is to today. I mean, like this Proverbs 31 and everything. I mean, like there are times and I have read, I mean, I'll just tell you guys, I've, I was talking to somebody the other day, I've read the Bible cover to cover probably two or three times, but the one thing about, I've found about the Bible is you cannot digest it all. So you know, no matter where you're starting, it's like, it's like peeling an onion. You may have found this, this time and go back to the same scripture and find something completely new the next time, which is what I, what I love about it. But I love this idea that you went and God's word spoke to you in a way. And then you use that promise to just hold on to, and then God was faithful to it. Just beautiful. But just the beautiful. moment I, I will tell you, and again, and I'm, I'm a control freak. I am a type A personality. Like, you know, I, I literally, I, I joke with my friends. I'm like, yeah, I know God's got his plan, but he doesn't understand. I've got spreadsheets with formulas. <laughs> like, trust me, God, I've like a, this yeah. on this Excel spreadsheet with these formulas, I, this works like that. This works. So in most entrepreneurs are control freaks, they may not admit it, but they have to be, it's the nature of the beast. Um, 
And so, you know, like I said, but the moment I truly let go of control Mm -hmm. and that is, it was so hard for me, but my options were hold on to the resentment and the fear and the anxiety or just lay it down and enjoy the life that's going on around you. Enjoy your friends, enjoy, get your joy from the thing, the little things that you do every day, you know, like the, you know, it it, it sounds antiquated and it sounds like, Oh, fuddy duddy, but it literally is true. And I still, I, I, I struggle on a daily basis with releasing control to God. It is my biggest struggle. Um, and I, and I try to, and I try to, and I try, and I, I know he sees me trying and he's just like, keep on keeping on Kristen. I know you can do it. You know? So, um, I'm the little, I think the hardest could. part for all of us to realize is the definition of success, probably from God, not probably the definition of success that, which you've kind of told us all today truly is surrender. It, it is. I mean, it, 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 it is. Thank you for summarizing that so succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been, I, I, I just took everything you've been saying all along and, and just summarized it. Kristen, we've, you and I could probably talk for another hour, um, but we're reaching the end here. What, if somebody is listening and like, man, I love her story. I want to talk to Kristen. I'd love to get in touch with her or even know more about legacy consultants and the work that you guys are doing. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you or to follow up with you or, or just follow you? What do you, what's that? Um, so yes, we are terrible on social media because we don't even have our social media for legacy consultants, uh, up and running yet. Um, because again, I'm terrible at promoting uh, myself in the firm. Um, but the best way, uh, it'd probably be just to call our office directly, which is area code 985 three, six, zero, three, four, six, zero. Um, you can look, you can, uh, check us out on our, uh, website, which is www.legacyconsultants with an S LLC.com. Mm. Um, or you can email me directly at Kristen K R I S T E N at legacy consultants again with an S LLC.com. But thank you so much for asking me on this morning. This is, this was exactly what, uh, I needed today. Good. Good. I'm so glad you could be with us. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. We will see you again next week. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, 
you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.